the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast for our G5 Deep Dive. We are kicking off bowl season with a breakdown of every single G5 bowl game across the board. I won't be doing the lifting myself here. I have Mike Ionello of the Action Network in to help me co-pilot our way through all of these games, some of which we're very excited about, some of which also technically count as bowl games. But as our producer likes to say, if you don't bet on the bowl game, does it really exist? So we're going to go ahead and touch them all in this one. We're going to give you little facts Big facts, trends, absolute hammer plays that we're both in on. But it's important to note that we're going to touch every single game because we understand that a lot of you are in bowl pools, confidence pools against the spread. So you want to have a little insight before you go and fill all those out. And speaking of filling out every single game, Stucky and Colin will be doing the Lord's work. They have a four-part bowl series that drops in the middle of this week, at least part one does. So it'll be stocking stuffers into Boxing Day, a little New Year's Eve gift. There'll be lots of action breaking down every single one of those games all the way through the college football playoff, as well as January 2nd with that slate of major bowl games as well. So first of all, INLO, it was a tremendous end to the season for us. We hit a lot of our conference championship picks, as well as our futures picks going all the way back to August. How are you feeling about another season in the books? I feel great. It's like playing golf where, you know, you start the year hot. We started the year 5-0, and you know, you birdie the first hole, then you... You know, you kind of chunk chunk one on four, hit one in the water on seven, start to get real pissy, get a hot dog at the turn, start chugging some beers, get real annoyed, hate golf, and then you birdie 18. You're like, this is awesome. Let's do that again. That's kind of how I feel. You know, we we, we pretty much swept the board with our G5 uh, conference champions. So great, great week for us. And yeah, I'm excited to get into bowl games. Like you said, there's no such thing as a bad bowl. I think especially after the last two years with all the, you know, last minute cancellations and stuff, I'm thankful we hopefully have a full slate of bowls this year because there was nothing worse than sitting down on the couch, getting all excited to watch a bowl game and then finding out it was getting canceled like an hour before. Hey, I just popped out of the DeLorean, Marty McFly, Doc Brown style, and I was just stuck in April in a rain delay for a Reds afternoon game. And I just wanted to let everyone know College football is amazing. Enjoy every last drop of the season just because New Mexico State's playing Bowling Green. Don't you dare for one second say, hey, I don't want to watch that game. That's ridiculous because baseball is it's rough and it's pretty much the only thing on the menu for a big slate of the gambling season. So let's hop right in. We're going to start on December 16th. Miami of Ohio versus UAB. They're laying 11. The total is 44 and a half in the hometown lenders Bahamas Bowl. And I'll just hit some, you know, high level points here. UAB has the nation's leading rusher. Dwayne McBride show heads onto a plane, drops down in the Bahamas, all 1,713 rushing yards of his this season, 19 touchdown touchdowns on the other side. The Redhawks, they won three of their last four. They were playing musical chairs. They landed on Avion Smith, who is a dual threat. 
And what's interesting with him at the controls, their running game has more pop and UAB has a really bad run defense, 103rd in success rate, 80th in explosive plays allowed on the ground. So my thoughts on this one is that I played a bunch of UAB games this year. 11 seems a little bit rich. It's a lean for me. It's not an official pick, but I'll go ahead and take the Red Hawks plus the points there. If it was a confidence pool situation, I'd probably take the Blazers, you know, sub 10 on the confidence ladder there. What are you thinking here, Ianella? Again, this you kind of have to caveat everything in bowl season with this. Is Brett Gabbert, he's still out, right? Because he hopped in the portal, but then he announced he's returning. But he's still hurt, correct? Or is he playing? He's, he's still hurt, at least from the um, the beat writers that I saw. There's a chance that he could play. Avion Smith, like I said, they went three and one down the stretch. And he's not someone who's a huge setback. Obviously, in terms of his arm strength and accuracy, yes, but if they just tailor the offense to him in the pre-bowl practices, I think they'll have you know puncher's chance in this. So I'm banking on Smith being QB1 in this game. So I'm with you where if I'm in a confidence pool where you just have to pick him straight up, I like UAB pretty confidently, but I don't necessarily want to lay 11 with them just because they're going to run the ball. The one thing I would look at in this game, obviously UAB announced Trent Dilfer as their head coach next year. If interim, not a fan of that. Okay, if, not, not a fan, but sure, continue. If interim... Bryant Vincent is coaching this game, which I assume he will. A lot of the UAB players wrote letters to the administration lobbying for Vincent to get the full-time job. I think if he's coaching here, they will want to make a statement for him. They're going to carry him off like Rudy. So look for that. If he's playing that, you know, if I'm picking the spread, I actually would lay the points at the Blazers just because I think they'll play hard for him. Um, but I'm with you. I, I probably won't actually bet it, but if I'm playing a conference pool, I would be I would be fairly confident you would be to win this game. Also on the 16th, UTSA, a top 25 conference champion I'm against out. against Troy, a I'm top out. 25 conference champion. The Trojans laying just a point. 54 and a half is the total set in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Like I said, a pair of G5 champions, this is hard. This is – immediately I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a, a split vote from us probably. This is not the Cure Bowl. This is officially dubbed the Group of Five Deep Dive Sophie's Choice Bowl. <laughs> well, let's let's get into Sophie's Choice in this one and why it is so difficult. So Frank Harris, superstar, stud, also coming back next year. He should be our G5 Hero of the Year. I think you can agree yeah. there. The fact that he's coming back to usher them into the AAC. Way to go, Frank. You're the man. Led the G5 in QBR, almost 4,500 total yards, 40 total touchdowns. But then you got the Troy defense on the other side of things. They stopped the big plays, 12th in explosiveness allowed, ninth in points per opportunity allowed, gets even better in points per game allowed, all the way up to 7th nationally. And the last three games, you made sure to remind me every single week after I picked against their offense, their offense is a wagon. They scored 127 <laughs> points in the last three weeks. They haven't lost since the Hell Mary walk-off at App State, which took at least two and a half years off my life, having called Detroit Moneyline in that one. So they're cooking. UTSA's offense is as potent as ever. This game is so difficult for me to pick. My only lean here is over 54 and a half. But other than that, it's very low on the totem pole for me in terms of confidence because I could see multiple game scripts going in different directions here between the Roadrunners and the Trojans. Yeah, this is Sophie's choice. This is, uh, you know, I'm going to wear a split jersey with, you know, Carlton Marshall and Frank Harris. This is the let's hope both teams have fun here. If you had to pick it, we want to do our listeners, you know, a service with pools and stuff like that. And, you know, you and, and Matt Mitchell, you both, you both have multiple kids. Everyone has a favorite deep down. You won't admit it. I'm sure Matt Mitchell's is the kid that wasn't throwing up on him today, but 
if I had to play it, I think UTSA's offense is a little bit better than Troy's defense. And I, you mentioned it, Jeff Trailer turning down a Power 5 job offer to remain at UTSA. Frank Harris coming back for his seventh season, thanks to a new public NIL fund. I think that gives this team juice. I think this team is fired up. They have their coach. They have their quarterback. And UTSA has been burned through the air on defense, but they've been really good against the run. And that's kind of what Troy wants to do on offense. The Roadrunners have won two straight conference championships, but they're 0-3 in bowl games. This program has never won a bowl game. So I just think that UTSA has, you know, a little bit more juice with with the, the excitement going into next year and wanting their first ever bowl game. So considering this is a pick and you basically have to pick who wins, I'm going to take the Roadrunners. I don't know if I'll actually bet it just because I want to just root for both teams to have fun, but if I had to, I would. I think I would take UTSA. From one bowl game, we can't wait to watch, and there's winners all around no matter what happens to a bowl game that no one wants to watch on the 17th. It's the No Coach Bowl, Cincinnati versus Louisville. <laughs> Straight pick them. Nice job, Vegas. I appreciate a little wink from Vegas on this one. They're like, who knows? Both teams obviously have quit in this situation. The total setting at 42 and a half in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, which I would make the argument is the weirdest pairing of bowl name and venue in the game right now. No Malik Cunningham, no Tyon Evans, no Tyler Hudson. Let's go under. Let's not overthink this. 42 and a half with two teams. I mean, Cincinnati's defense still has a lot of key pieces. I know they have a few people in the portal, but they still have Ivan Pace Jr. He's going to wreak havoc in this game. So I'll go over, pardon me, under 42 and a half. And hopefully I get some of that classic, you know, December Massachusetts weather and it's ugly and cold and nobody wants to play. Just suck the will out of these kids. So I'm going to go under here. Any thoughts on Cincy and Louisville? The one thing that would scare me off and under is, uh, Kerry Coombs is serving as the interim coach uh, for Louisville, and he was horrific as the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. So Laura knows what this defense is going to look like. I'm not betting anything in this game, mostly out of protest, because I was supposed to go to the Thelming Bowl last year, and I drove from Allentown, Pennsylvania, all the way to Boston on my birthday to watch this game. And it was supposed to be an exciting shootout. SMU versus Virginia with when that their offense was still good. The total was like 85 and a half and it got canceled like two hours before I was sitting in, at a Chinese food restaurant in Boston. When it got canceled, it was the worst birthday I ever had. So I'm protesting the Fenway Bowl. I like that. Everything's personal here on the G5 deep this. dive. You know what, you know what else is personal? <laughs> I feel good for the rice owls because a lot of people will look at the slate here and say, wait, rice went five and seven, but their academic success rate, Pushed him over the top. Way to fill in all of those bubbles on the Scantrons, Owls, because you did just enough of that to get into a bowl game. Rice playing Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles, a six and a half point favorite. Total set at 46 and a half in the Lending Tree Bowl. And that's as far as I can go for enthusiasm for Rice. The, the Action Network power rankings on this team, 113th in the country, that may be a little bit high because their <laughs> defense is horrific. 127th and explosiveness allowed. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. And Luke McCaffrey, I, I don't feel like he's played in a month, and no one will even say if he's going to play in this game. He's their best offensive player. On the other side of things, Southern Miss is really good on defense. 14th in success rate on that side of the ball. They play the field position game better than just about any G5 team in the whole country. They finished 7th nationally in average field position. They won six games this year, but lost three others by a combined 12 points. So I think they are a much better team in this spot. I mean, they almost upset Tulane this season as well. Trey Lowe has been good enough when you play against a defense this bad. I'm not going to you know, give this guy his roses and say that he's, you know, all of a sudden some kind of G5 hero in the making. 
but I think they'll score like 24 points in this game and it'll be enough. So I'm going to lay the points to the Golden Eagles. My first official bet here, a bowl season, and I'm pretty bullish on them. I play them north of 30 in a confidence pool as well. What are your thoughts on the Owls and the Golden Eagles? Yep, this is my first official bet as well. I agree with you. Southern Miss covered the spread in nine of its last 10 games. And both these teams are going in different directions health-wise. You know, Southern Miss has gotten healthier. You know, they were without Trey Lowe for a bit. He's back. Where Rice, you know, you mentioned that power rating. Who's at quarterback in that power rating? Because, like, Wiley Green's been hurt all year. TJ McMahon's got hurt. They've been using two freshmen. Both have been horrible. I think A.J. Paget probably playing. He started the last game. He's completed just 50% of his passes. And this this Rice, our Southern Miss defense should just eat this rice offensive line alive and then the two things rice has been like really bad at is giving up uh, explosiveness and that's kind of also miss does on offense they're not really <clears throat> they don't really move the ball consistently but they just play defense and then they hit big plays brownlee and frank gore i think they're gonna be able to do that that's like the perfect recipe of how you beat rice that's kind of what they do all game um so yeah i'm pretty confident in southern miss here at minus six and a half and i've already played that from sitting in a Chinese restaurant to fried rice there in that bowl game. I like this energy. I, oh, let's keep the mojo going here. On December 17th, Wazoo playing Fresno. Fresno laying three, total set at 54 and a half in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. I don't know what Stifle is. Don't care. If you told me in August that this was the matchup, I'd be like, what a great quarterback matchup. Cam Ward, everybody was all excited. The incarnate Ward transfer coming in with his coach. Well, Wazoo never got it really going on offense. Although, they look pretty strong down the stretch. They finished three and two in their last five straight up, nearly upset Utah at home, scored 33 in the Apple Cup. But this is a Fresno team. I don't know if there's a G5 team playing any better at this point. They turned on the afterburners once Hayner got healthy. They won the Mountain West Conference. One last ride for your boy here. And then the only kind of lean I have in this spot is potentially under 54 and a half. And here's why. Wazoo's 29th in Havoc. They only gave up 23 points per game all season. Fresno moved up to 21st in Havoc, but really to me, it came down to the return of their defensive quarterback, Evan Williams. Once he was back in the fold down the stretch, I think it was like six or seven games, they only allowed 16.8 points per game. And Dion Henley is out for Wazoo. That was one of the the big opt-out or injury issues to keep an eye on. So I would lean Fresno, but I I think it's a pretty strong play on under here. I think these offenses are going to struggle a little bit with some solid defenses. And hopefully, for G5's sake, Fresno can continue their winning ways. What are your thoughts on Hayner's last ride with Bulldogs? Oh, I'm, obviously, I'm obviously riding with Hayner. I mean, for no other reason, even if it's just for nostalgia's sake. Um, but I actually do like Fresno in this matchup. Because you mentioned it, you know, Cam Ward got a ton of hype this offseason. And I don't remember, like, ever hearing about him once the season started. Like, he had 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I looked this up, like, wasn't he supposed to be, like, some sweet dual threat? Like, he had 62 rushing yards the whole season. I'm like, how is that even possible unless he was sacked 700 times? Um, <laughs> but you mentioned the opt-outs. Washington State's also going to be without three of their four leading receivers. Uh, Shribling and Ollie are both in the portal. Bell is hurt. And all the Cougars do is throw the ball. So if they have no one to throw it to, that's probably a problem. Fresno State's defense was really good at defending the pass. Uh, Washington State also lost their defensive coordinator who left for the same position at Arizona State, which to me is kind of a weird move considering they might have like sanctions coming down. So I don't know why he would take that lateral move. Um, we're assuming Jake Hayner's playing in this game and Hayner is definitely a kid where you absolutely never have to worry about his motivation. That dude is all heart and balls. So he's definitely someone I want to back in kind of one of these spots. Uh, Fresno State went 2-0 in bowl games under Jeff Tedford. 
And like you said, they're just riding high right now. They have a ton of confidence. And last year's Jimmy Kimmel Bowl was Mountain West champion Utah State, who I didn't even think that was that good, crushing Pac-12 Oregon State. So I think we kind of see the same thing here. I don't think this Washington State team is really that good. And uh, the Bulldogs just have a ton of momentum. And I'll be honest, I just I love Jake Hanner, and I'm going to back him again. I'm also going to be on the lookout for some kind of crossover advertisement with the Super Mario movie coming out. And Nico Ramijo, yeah, one, more gonna... t- one more time, get him a highlight for Fresno. Nah, we're going to get Guillermo in the booth. It's going to be great. Not just a great name, great punt returner. He's had some absolute electric returns this year. All right, the 17th is jam-packed with games, so we got another one. SMU laying a point and a half against BYU, 68 and a half as the total in the New Mexico Bowl, heading down to the land of enchantment. You know what's not too enchanting? Jaron Hall may not play. In this game, there was a quote uh, in one of the Salt Lake City newspapers that it would be a minor miracle if he suited up just because of, you know, the fact that he's going to be off to the NFL. Jacob Conover, the Cougs backup, their only one who took snaps and, you know, attempted to pass all season. He just transferred to Arizona State. Rashi Rice out with the toe injury. So my enthusiasm for this game is waning well before kickoff. Yes, the total is sitting at 68, and I know that we still have uh, Puka Nakua and a few other players that get excited about, but without any quarterback play on the BYU side of things, I don't know. BYU is always a team throughout the season that I struggled to handicap. They looked really strong out of the gate. Then they absolutely fell apart for four or five games. Then they finished the season pretty strong. The offense got going. They covered that last game against Stanford, but this game is a pure pass for me because SMU is a defense that can give up a ton of points if BYU gets any competent quarterback play, but it's a mystery box right now. Whoever suits up for them has never thrown a college pass. So it's a pass for me. It's uh, probably like a, a sub five on the confidence level. I'll just go with the Mustangs. Um, but it's unfortunate because I think if Jaron Hall was playing in this game, this would be a fun quarterback matchup. But unfortunately, the Mexico Bowl left hanging in the wind on this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, dude, this sucks. I was so excited about this game. I've I've rewritten it three different times. Um, I started my research on like Friday mm-hmm. And I loved over 68 and a half. And I was all about it. I'm like, who's getting to stop? These defenses are horrific. And then with Rasheed Rice opting out, like you said, he's their whole offense. He had 96 catches this season. The next closest guy had 31. He had 817 more receiving yards than SMU's second leading receiver. So once he once he opted out, I rewrote it with BYU, taking BYU plus two and a half. Now, you know, the line is shooting up, which clearly indicates Jaron Hall is not playing. You know, we have we have some sources in the, in on the ground that indicate they're here and he won't play. It went from one and a half to five and a half in a day, which is not a good sign. So now I'm I'm just a total stay away. You know, BYU five and a half, it's a lot. And you know, Christopher Brooks is playing. They might just run the ball down SMU's throat, but like you said, who's going to stop in this game? It's probably just who has the ball last. It's going to be gross. So, yeah, really nothing for me, but I'm pretty disappointed because this is probably one of my most exciting ones going into it, and now I'm like, I don't even know that I'll watch it. <laughs> the last G5 game on the 17th is the Frisco Bowl, North Texas and Boise State. Boise laying 10, total set at 56.5. North Texas makes the Commerce USA title game. If I had, get out of here, Seth Luttrell. Clearly, they had it out for him no matter what happened there. Austin on knee declaring for the NFL draft, a bit of a surprise to us. Hey, if he hasn't signed an agent and Boise whips him and, you know, holds him under 10 points, maybe he's like, just kidding, coming back for one more year. Let's do it again. Bring it back for a last dance in Denton. Um, Yeah, I, to me, this is my number one confidence play in the entire pool, Boise money line. 
And then Boise minus 10, I'm going to sweat it out. I'm still going to lay the points. But listen, they went 7-2 and two down the stretch. They have an elite defense, 6th in success rate, 13th in havoc. North Texas, I understand that they had their moments. Ani played better and better, clearly peaking in his college career. They played musical chairs due to injuries and playing the hot hand at running back. But this Boise defense is going to mess them up. I, I don't think there's any way to see this game other than that. So I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to go Broncos laying the 10 here. What are your thoughts? I think money line wise, this is probably one of the, the most confident plays. Um, I heard a rumor that uh, Seth Trout was told before the season he had to win eight games or he was fired and they won seven games. And that's why he got fired, which is like kind of ridiculous, you're being honest. Um, biggest bummer, like you said, Austin, I need to clear it for the NFL draft, which means the 29 year old, we will not get to see the 30 year old Austin, I need to play college football next year, which sucks. Um, I'm with you. I think this, this Boise State, they actually outgained Fresno State in that game. They really didn't play that bad. They're seven, still seven and two with Green. You know, best one of the best defenses in in the whole group of five. North Texas is at their best in running the ball. They're not going to be able to do that in this game. We know Taylor Green. You know, they're they're young. We know he's coming back. So, uh, you know, I like those underclassmen quarterbacks that just have every every incentive to ball out and, and be and you know going into next year with some confidence. So I, I think I think Boise crushed them. I bet it already. And yeah, I'm with you. December nineteenth, Marshall laying ten against the University of Connecticut Huskies. 40 and a half so as the total in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Listen, UConn went five and two down the stretch to get bowl eligible. They upset Fresno. I know Hayner didn't play, but still counts. They upset Boston College. They beat Liberty as a big underdog. Marshall also white hot. They, you know, they win their last four games in the Sun Belt. They get Rasheen Ali back. Maybe they've found their quarterback of the future in Cam Fancher. He's a dual threat who got better as the season went on, you know, as a freshman. Listen, I really wanted to play UConn. I, I wanted, I Don't wanted to you do dare. I wanted to do it, but pairing Fancher with this Marshall defense, which is top 10 in points per game, yards per play allowed, yards per carry allowed, and opposing completion percentage. Yikes. This defense is going to feed UConn into the wood chipper. I can't do it. I'm going to go Marshall, you know, in the 30s on the confidence. I don't feel great about laying 10. I wish it was nine and a half. Um, Hopefully that just means a push instead of a a straight up loss, but I'm going to go with the thundering herd here. They played in obviously, you know, a a more difficult schedule. A lot of those UConn wins were against uh, tin cans down the stretch. Whereas Marshall at least was playing Sunbelt competition the whole season. Yeah. That's just my thought on this game. Great story for UConn though. I'm very happy for Jim Mora. The fact that he was able to turn the program around that quickly. I hope he stays just to keep, you know, Northeast football a little bit more relevant. I think everybody was like in on, it was a borderline joke, but it's more so like a field (laughs) story. So I'm happy that they got to storm the field at the rents that they didn't get left in the cold on, you know, on the, the bowl game, you know, musical chair situation where there's a little bit of buzz because they don't have a conference tie-in that maybe they get left out. That didn't happen. So, happy for them. They're not winning this game. Talk me out of it. You are so disrespectful. Obviously, I'm taking UConn plus 10 and a half. And yeah, not just because I'm from Connecticut and it's the greatest state in the country and we're an absolute wagon in football and we're an absolute wagon at basketball and we're just the conference champions. But the Huskies went nine and three against the spread of the season. They won three of their last four games, beat Boston College, whooped Liberty with an SEC head coach. We basically beat Auburn. And <laughs> more than a touchdown underdog in both, they outgained Army, and you, we were both on them. They should have won that game. They just blew it in the red zone like three times in a row, and it was extremely frustrating. That wasn't their fault. It was my fault for picking them as my money line underdog. Exactly. So, I mean, that's you just, put you the know. Calabrese curse on them, and then yeah. they were doomed. Um, we know what these teams want to do. 
Marshall wants to run the ball with Rashina Lee and Kalen LeBourne. And UConn wants to run the ball with Victor Rosa and Devontae Houston. And both teams, I think, are going to be able to do that well. This game total is just 40 and a half. It's going to be a low-scoring, run-the-ball game. UConn hasn't made a bowl since 2015. And as someone from Connecticut, a trip to Myrtle Beach in December is the absolute dream. So these guys are going to be fired up. It's going to be beautiful down there. It's 10 and a half. I don't think you guys are going to win, but I think they're going to keep it close. And guess what? They could win. So I'm going to take the Huskies half. I'll say, let's put it this way. I would say this pick is 70% on paper they should cover and 30% I'm from Connecticut. I think that's a pretty fair balance. Prop bet number one. I'll go ahead and throw this out here right now. What odds you give me Marshall holds them under 100 yards rushing in this game? Oh, there's no chance. All right, right, throw some odds my way. I'm happy to take them. I'm going to lap them up. What do you got? (laughs) You know, plus 250, three to one? Yeah, I'll give you three to one. Three to one. All right. That's that's my that's my first prop bet play. You get to, to offer up the next one. All right. December 20th, Eastern Michigan, San Jose State. The Spartans are a three and a half point favorite. Total set at 54 and a half in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Listen, these two teams headed kind of in opposite directions headed into this game. Not a great end of the year for San Jose. Found themselves in a dogfight with Colorado State, lost to San Diego State, lost to Utah State, and slept walk through a win over Hawaii. Not impressed with them in the month of November. Eastern, meanwhile, won four or five and almost upset Toledo at home. Taylor Powell is balling out. Samson Evans is a touchdown machine. I, you know, just for my own sanity, I had to check refreshing the page, making sure they didn't go to the transfer portal, making sure they didn't opt out. These guys are both playing. I think the wrong team is favored here. At least it should be a pick them. So I'm happy to take the three and a half. I think Eastern Michigan is a quality upset call for a confidence pool. Throw it in the mid-teens, something like that, to try to get a swing game for yourself. I was big on the Eagles all the way back to August. It took a while for them to put it together, but they did down the stretch. So this is one of my favorite underdogs here in bowl season. What are your thoughts on Eastern against San Jose State? Yeah, I was actually going to say that. you got to pick a couple spots to pick upsets, and I do think G5 games tend to be good places <clears> to do that. Um, and this is one, you know, it sucks to say it, but let's be honest, you know, ever since the, the death of their teammate, Camden McWright, this team just hasn't been the same. They have they have failed. They haven't covered a game since he passed away. They obviously had the game canceled. And, you know, they were able to get wins during that stretch, but they were against the three worst teams in the Mountain West and possibly the country. And all those games were way closer than they should have been. And then they lost their other two games against remotely competent opponents. I think they just want this season to get over with. They've been playing with heavy hearts all year, and it, it's understandable they want to get the season over with. Then you mentioned that Eastern Michigan has been really strong. Their offense is humming. And, you know, their defense isn't great, but they're much better against the pass and the run, and all San Jose State does is pass the ball. So, like you said, three and a half, close game projected. The Eagles have been great in one possession games all season. It's kind of what they do. So I definitely like them three and a hook, and I agree this is a good spot to just take a flyer on, on a contrarian, you know, hope it's contrarian upset pick in your, in your pools. December 20th, Liberty versus Toledo, the Rockets laying five 53 and a half in the roofclaim.com Boca Raton bowl. And to borrow a lyric from Taylor Swift, Jerry Falwell looking up from hell laughing about this game because Liberty is absolutely a mess right now. A sinking ship. Hugh freeze jumps off of it. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. 
When you leave the graduation platform of liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. Listen, they lost three straight to end the year. The Flames did. They lost to UConn. They lost to Vatek. Wagon. They lost to New Mexico State, who, by the way, is not, bold. not wagon, <laughs> not not a wagon. They needed a, a a plug-in win against Valpo to get in to to bowl season. But I'm this is not a part of the podcast to disparage the Aggies. Guns up for them. That's this is later. a part. This is a part of the podcast to dump on the Flames. This team shouldn't even be in a bowl game. That's how bad they played in the last six weeks of the season. Whereas Toledo, they're the MAC champs. They get a healthy Daquan Finn, who was questionable going into that title game against Ohio. He runs for 86 yards in that game. But I think the reason why this is not a runaway point spread, Vegas likes to keep tabs on on trends. Some are ridiculous. Some are, you know, how teams play on weeknights on artificial turf with certain kinds of lights, all that kind of crap. Mac champs are one and nine straight up in their last 10 bowl games. So I think there's a little bit of hesitancy in this spot to automatically install Toledo as like a 10 point favorite, but I don't care. Liberty has mailed it in. They're rudderless. And I think the Rockets, you know, not only got over the hump, finally won that MAC title, they're fired up to play in a bowl game like this. As you as you said, if someone from Connecticut's excited to go to South Carolina, how do you think the kids from Toledo feel about going to Boca Raton? So I'm on the Rockets here. Uh probably high 20s confidence points um for the the pool play here, but I also like them laying the five. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't you might be able to convince me. Um, I'm not convinced I'm gonna bet the spread, but I'm with you. I, def- I definitely like Toledo and pools. Um, I think this is just, you know, if I had to bet it, I would bet Toledo just they're a much more likable team. They're the Mac champs, you know, Liberty's a Colt. And from an on-field perspective, who, kn- who who knows who's playing quarterback for them? They've had so many musical chairs. The coach is gone. You know, I think Toledo's a lot more, you kind of know what they're going to be here. Um, this Liberty team's just weird. You know, they, they beat Arkansas, they beat BYU, and then they lose to UConn and New Mexico State. So, who knows what you're going to get from them. Um, I just assume Toledo will be more motivated. So if I had to play it, I'd pick them. Um, but I'm not sure if I'll actually – I haven't decided yet if I'm going to bet the spread. But I probably will just because it's a Tuesday. And what else? Yeah, got to bet the max school on a Tuesday. Come on. December 21st, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Western Kentucky taking on South Alabama, laying 7.5, total sitting at 53.5. This has always been a great G5 showcase bowl game. Obviously, you know, since the New Orleans Bowl came into existence, there's just been a, a massive expansion. So a lot of these bowl games end up being G5 showcases. But I have a lot of warm fuzzies for this one. Western Kentucky, not a lot of warm fuzzies. Austin Reed in the portal. They're starting tight end in the portal. Two offensive linemen gone. South Alabama rolling into town, a team that we watch very closely because we like Troy so much to win the West. And the only threat to win the, the Sun Belt West other than Troy was South Alabama. They finished 14th in success rate against the pass. So this was already going to be a, a tough road to hoe for Austin Reed before he ended up opting out. They can rush the passer a little bit. And LaDamian Webb is going to run all over these guys. So I think it's finally time. I've tiptoed around a lot of Hilltopper games this year, feeling bad that I wasn't, you know, waving the pennant and joining them on the Hilltop. But I like South Alabama here in a confidence pool. Seven and a half, maybe a little bit rich. So it's more of a lean for me on the Jags, but I think they get it done to win this bowl game. I'm with you. This is not what I want to lay lay points. Um, but I'm pretty confident in it from a pool's perspective. A lot of these bowl games too, you know, maybe maybe you just parlay South Alabama and Toledo money lines or something, a little Tuesday, Wednesday action. Um, yeah, like you mentioned it with with Austin Reed in the portal, it's it's hard to know what to get from Western Kentucky. Um, the only thing I will say is, you know, Western Kentucky continues to get to get these transfer QBs that just ball out. 
they've been bringing him up from the lower levels. I'd love to see a talented power five guy drop down and play in this offense. Like, can you imagine Brennan Armstrong or like a Keaton Slovis in this offense? Like Brennan Armstrong would sling it in this offense. Like, so, you know, one of those kind of guy, you know, Luke Altmaier, one of those kind of P5 guys that are looking for a new home. See one of them drop down. Armstrong was one that kind of popped out to me would be a ton of fun. Um, but other than that, I, no, yeah, I'm going to go Brett McMurphy sources on this one. The crystal ball for Brennan Armstrong, I think is Syracuse just reuniting with his offensive coordinator who he put up those huge numbers, but I totally agree with you. And Keaton Slovis, like, at this point, do you really get to transfer to another P5 program? I'm sure that's where his aspirations are. But why not go a route? I mean, it made Bailey Zappi a household name and cash an NFL paycheck. So there's no reason to think that you can't ball out and you know get some national exposure and throw up some huge stats. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't Reed, what, second in the country in passing? It's like, and Zappi obviously broke the record. Um, but yeah, I have nothing here. South Alabama and Poole is pretty kind of similar to UAB. I'm, they'd be pretty high on my list, but I just I don't want to lay the points really. December 22nd, Baylor laying six and a half against Air Force, total set at 49 and a half in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Far be it for me to pick against an armed force team in the Armed Forces Bowl brought to you by a weapons manufacturer. Come on, listen. Baylor was in the Sugar Bowl last year. They dropped down to six and six. They're on a three-game losing streak to end the season. They gave up 67 points in their final two games and gave up 208 yards on the ground in their final game. That got their defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts, fired. Air Force, on the other side, was a letdown. I thought that they were going to be in the fight in the Mountain West Conference. They were basically out of it by mid-October. But they won five of six to finish off the year and only lost to Boise by five. Air Force has also won four of their last five bowl games under Calhoun. And when a coach has been at the same place for a long time, I do like to look at those straight-up bowl records because does the coach get his team motivated? Do they come to play? Air Force, absolutely. I think they're a live dog here. It's one of my upset picks. For confidence pool, I put it around 10, 12 points. Once again, have it be a swing game to go in your favor. I also like them plus 6.5 and and potentially under 49.5, but that's just a lean. So lots of different thoughts from me here on the Falcons versus Bears, but I think that Baylor's getting too much respect just because they're out of the Big 12. They're a team that was leaking oil down the stretch. Yeah, I don't really hate that. Um, I wrote down the kind of you tipped on it. Uh, I kind of lean the under here. Um, you know, Air Force, obviously, triple option team. Went under in five of their final six. Offense kind of stalled out a little bit down the stretch. Like you said, Baylor had that horrible performance, but they still went under in two of their last three. You know, Air Force has the highest rushing rate in the country. Pretty good run defense. Baylor's also very run heavy, and they, they are better at defending the run in the past. They kind of got leaky down the stretch, but... You know, now Dave Aranda gets three weeks to prepare for the triple option. And both these teams are top 30 in the country at defending explosiveness uh, and preventing big plays on the ground. So I do think these defenses can keep each other in check. So if I was going to bet it, I'd probably lean under 49 and a half. I don't really have a play on the side, so I don't hate your your idea of just take a swing on a, on a swing game with a, with a big spread. You know, people usually try to tailor the upsets to those like two and a half, three and a half games. Most people aren't taking touchdown dogs and confidence pools. So I don't hate it. December 23rd in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, Louisiana playing Houston, the Cougs laying six and a half, the total set at 60 and a half. Last month of the season, let's go through the hit list. Houston gives up 77 to SMU, 36 to Temple in a win, 37 to Tulsa in a loss, and then somehow beats the hell out of East Carolina on the road. So high variance alert in this one. 
Louisiana, after September, beat one good team the whole year. They beat Marshall by 10 at Marshall. They won the turnover battle to zip in that one. Here's my thoughts. Another prop bet situation. I Houston is just a weird team to me. I'm going to, for confidence pool points, I'll put them at like five or six. They should win this game. But I have a feeling if they win it, they're going to win by like 17 or 24. They're going to win going away. Or they're just going to straight up lose the game because they don't care. They like I have no faith in their their leadership from a coaching staff perspective. Like if anything goes wrong, he might just be like, "All right, I guess just enter the portal, kids. Just get out of my face." Like he's such a weird guy that when things are going well, he'll keep the foot on the accelerator. Clayton Tune and Tank Dell will probably have a big game. Matthew Golden get some huge stats. But if it goes the other way, Louisiana clearly cares more in a game like this, where about halfway through the season, it's like, is this even a bowl team? They put it together in the Sun Belt West. Obviously, it's a letdown from the Napier era, but they're still able to build some momentum, get some more practices in. So that's how I'm playing it. I'm going to go alternate line. I'll play it all the way up uh, to 16 and a half. So a 17 point win gets it done. You'll probably get like plus 245, plus 260, or plus 265 in a spot like that. I just think it's one of those binary, either runaway or outright losses. What do you think of a game that motivation probably plays such a huge component in? Yeah, so I actually bet Louisiana plus six and a half. Um, I talked about it the last week of the season. I think this Louisiana team, Louisiana team has they've just gotten better as the season's going on. If you look at their their yards for play metrics on both offense and defense, they both sides of the ball got better as the season went on. You know, they blew they blew out Texas State to become bowl eligible, which I was on at the end of the year. Houston failed to cover four of their, their final five games. They have to be disappointed with this season. You know, they were the favorite to win the conference at some books, and they didn't even reach the game. And I mentioned it, you know, two weeks ago. The the Raging Cajuns have now reached the bowl in five straight years, 10 in the last 12 years. They're 7-2 and two in bowl games. And clearly, these games matter to this program. And Dana Holgerson has flat out admitted that bowl games don't matter to him at all. His teams are 2-6 and six straight up in non-New Year's Six games. And they're two and seven against the spread overall in bowl games. Like Hogo does not care about these games. Clayton Toon and Tank Dell are both going to the NFL. They're expected to play here, but we could see some business decisions here in this game. And you mentioned it, if things are out of hand, I don't hate the alternate spread route. If Louisiana's winning at the half, you think Hogerson wants to give Lucas Coley some reps here? Because I do. Because why would he keep Clayton Toon in? He risks him getting hurt before the NFL. And he's got a freshman quarterback coming in next year. So, you know, like I said, Holgerson's done this before where he doesn't care about bowl games. He just sees them as practice. He's called them practices before. So I think I take, I, I like Louisiana plus six and a half. And this is another one where, you know, I don't hate if you want to, you know, go a contrarian in a, in a pool and take, take the raging Cajuns to get this win here. Um, Money, you know, I'm not as confident in, in that side of it, but I definitely like getting the points with Louisiana here. I think they care a lot more. All right, December 24th, Christmas Eve. Wouldn't be Christmas Eve without the easy post Hawaii Bowl. Middle Tennessee against San Diego State. The Aztecs lay in seven, total sitting at 49 and a half. Blue Raiders, what a weird team. They got smushed in the first ever FBS game for James Madison. Upset Miami in a in a game where they hit like every single long pass, a season's worth of long passes in one game. They then lose four of the next five. Then they close on a three-game winning streak, Asterix against Charlotte, FAU, and FIU. So this might be the worst bowl team here. 
And I understand that it's only a seven point spread because the SX offense is what they've been for the last few years, but a great finish to the year for SDSU. They went five and two straight up down the stretch. They only lost by four to Fresno. They hold air force to 13 points in a loss. And Jalen Maiden was actually pretty decent Threw for two or more touchdowns in four of his last five starts. So I don't know. I, I understand that some weird things happen in the Hawaii bowl. History has proven that. I know that a team that probably shouldn't be in a bowl game at all could get themselves fired up for a nice long trip, you know, get to play on national television, a standalone game. Going to put all that aside. The Aztec defense, I think, is going to really box them in in this game. And if their offense can come up with, let's say, 24 points, I think they win. Don't necessarily care to lay the seven points. There's more of confidence play for the pool, maybe in the high 20s. 49 and a half, I feel like, is just about right. Um, so it's kind of a pass for me. This is the first game that I don't necessarily have a play on the spread or the total, but I do like the Aztecs to get it done. I'm going to be honest, going through all of them, this was the game I absolutely cared about the least. I have, again, all bowl games <clears throat> matter, but this game's at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve. This is the throw the game on your laptop and watch, you know, Clark Griswold and Uncle Eddie with the family. I'm not watching it. This game should not be on any TVs. This is going to be gross. I hate both these teams. They both stink. I don't care if San Diego State looked better. I still think they stink. Um, I actually disagree with you. This is the game I circled for just throw a dart on Middle Tennessee. So I think both these teams stink. I think either could win. Middle Tennessee's high variance as well. They kind of get, you know, Chase Cunningham can kind of do his YOLO ball and, and who knows what happens. All right, how about this then? You gave me three to one on uh, Marshall holding UConn under 100 rushing yards. I'll give you three to one on the money line for Middle Tennessee. How about that? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> December 26th, the Quick Lane Bowl. New Mexico State, welcome to the party, guys. Playing Bowling Green, laying two and a half, total set at 48. The Aggies won five of their last six to get here. Jerry Kill gets them that win over Valpo in the season finale. Whoa. Meanwhile, Bowling Green's defense gave up 40, 35, 38 in its final three games. I think that screams over, baby. Let's have fun in the Quick Lane Bowl at Ford Field. Get a little of that positive Detroit Lions offensive mojo. I can't believe that's a statement that actually makes sense in the year of our Lord 2020. Diego Pavia. Somehow, according to the New Mexico State official Twitter, they said that he received one Heisman vote. I don't know if they're just straight up lying on their Twitter feed or or what, or if there was like some guy who was a New Mexico State alumnus who gave him a third place vote, but they don't release everything. They just release the top 10. So maybe they're making it up, maybe not. So either way, I think this is a fun story. I'm just going to go with the over 48 and totally avoid this game like the plague. This is a, a sub three point confidence play because anything could happen. Both these teams are not very good. Um, it seems to me that you think that the Falcons are a little bit better than the Aggies though. Am I right? Yeah, I You've been we've been doing this show for two years. Have you ever heard me say a nice thing about Bowling Green? No, I can't say that you have. I don't think I've ever bet them. I'm gonna be honest, I bet Bowling Green. Um, so I think Pavia is in the transfer portal. And just one of those weird he's in the portal but playing Grayson McCall style. I, I I believe so, because at least according to Twitter and everything I was searching, I know that he's in the portal, but I think he's playing in the game. So we'll see. Um, their backup, by the way, uh, who played, yeah, he's played Minnesota. a lot, but he he's played a lot, but he stinks. He's got a great arm. Stinks. Not, not necessarily good, but listen, if Will Levis can be a top 10 NFL draft pick, then listen, also if you got stinks. a strong arm, you can do anything you want to do. Also All right. If, if we, that's, had, we, if, we had to get in our weekly Will Levis slander quota. It's our last chance. He's yes. Um, yeah. Gavin Frankis completing 50% of his passes, four touchdowns, seven picks. So and this makes, I, I mean, I mean, in this game, that might make him the best quarterback. Hey, by now. 
this makes me want to absolutely puke to say. Oh, Matt McDonald has been oh, competent this year. He's second in the MAC with 22 touchdowns. <laughs> you can just you can just speed to the end where you say you're taking the Falcons. It's fine. I'm not going to force yeah. you to go through this. Like a New Mexico State horrific. They they got a bowl game because it's some cheap waiver because San Jose State had their game canceled. San Jose State would have crushed them. They wouldn't have been here. Jerry kills 0 and 5 all time in bowl games. This team stinks. I'm taking Bowling Green. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. December 27th, we got another bowl game here. Georgia Southern laying three and a half against Buffalo. The total set at 67 and a half in the Camellia Bowl. It should be the Kyle Van Treese Revenge Bowl game. Yes, it is. As he, as he transfers down to Georgia Southern, who remade their entire offense in one year. Talk about a team who I had zero confidence could go from a run-heavy, option-oriented team to a pass-heavy team. They threw the ball the fifth most in the entire country. They finished 27th in success rate. They scored 31.4 points per game and had the third lowest sack rate allowed in the entire country. So they protected him. They let Kyle Vantries cook, and it actually worked. Defensively, nah, they're, they're super bad. They can't stop the run at all. They're 126 in yards per carry allowed, uh, actually 129th in that category. They're banged up at the running back spot. I should say Buffalo is. Ron Cook Jr. and Al J. Henderson are both questionable. If either play, Buffalo is probably the right play here plus the points. But if they're both out, can they take advantage of the Eagles' biggest weakness, which is obviously stopping the run? I'm not sure that they can. So I'm going to keep my money on the sideline, wait right up until kickoff, find out. Also, if they're going, maybe a fun over as well. 67 and a half doesn't scare me away. Georgia Southern's played in some insane shootouts this year. So I'll go ahead with the over there, and I lean Buffalo plus three and a half, depending on running back health. I really would like Ron Cook Jr. back. I know that they had kind of like a, a running back by committee situation going, but he's clearly the best one of the bunch. Yeah, this is a total stay away for me. You know, what did you say Georgia Southern's offensive success rate was? They 27th. Yeah, see, but they were like fifth, like half through the year when we were talking about them. Really, that's the thing. They, yeah. they, I think teams kind of figured them out because they were so different. They kind of caught teams off guard, but teams caught on to it. Both these teams just really fell off down the stretch. Buffalo failed to cover their final four games. They needed a miracle win 
to freaking beat Akron and, and crush our Akron, my Akron win total over and to re- reach a ball. Georgia Southern lost three of the last four games and the offense kind of stalled out prior. To, I mean, they did blow up against App State, but yeah, this is just nothing for me. I don't trust either offense. Both defense stinks. Yeah, I'm just stay away. December 27th as well, Memphis laying seven against Utah State, total set at 62.5 in the Sir Pro First Responder Bowl. This is a game that I should care more about, but I think psychologically at separate points in the season, I kind of marked both of these teams as just not good. They both finished six and six. Despite a two and three finish, Memphis is playing a little bit better. They lost to Tulane by 10, UCF by seven, SMU by three as their three losses in their last five games. So they're clearly competitive against the best in the AAC. Utah State got it together. They went five and two down the stretch, beating both teams, Air Force and San Jose State in the process. Cooper Lagos has got to cut down on the picks. That's the that's the part of this game where I'm like, anytime I get close to talking myself into Utah State, he threw four picks in his final two games. He's just not as good as Logan Bonner was last year. Obviously, huge drop off and a huge drop off in the, the win column as well. Memphis can run. They got you know lots of ball carriers, including Hennigan. They had four ball carriers who had four rushing touchdowns or more. Uh, Jevion Ducker, kind of the main threat down the stretch. He should probably have a good game, but. This one's a stay away for me, both on the total and the spread. If you want to get nuts, I mean, Utah State was playing just about as well as any team in the Mountain West in the last six weeks. So maybe they're, you know, worth a dart in terms of money line play. But other than that, not a game that interests me. Um, I actually like like playing the points in Memphis. Um, I just think this Utah State offense is horrific. I think, you know, both teams kind of, you know, like you said, they, they both beat up on the bottom of the conferences, but then – were competitive in losses against the top of the conference, but the bottom of the AAC is so much better than the bottom of the Mountain West. So I think Utah State kind of got to beat up on really bad teams. Um, yeah, like you said, I think Cooper Lagos kind of horrible. He can't throw the ball. <laughs> He's mobile, but he can't throw. And the Aggies have a pretty good pass defense, but they've been torched on the ground. And you mentioned the the Memphis running game. Memphis is pretty balanced on offense, to be honest. With you. They're they're you know they're pretty good at passing and running. And on defense, the Tigers' weakness has been their pass defense. And Utah State can't throw the ball, so I think they've been pretty good against the run. And they're 18th at preventing explosives on the ground. Memphis is. So I think Hennigan is going to be able to take big shots against this Utah State defense, and I think that. The Memphis defense can limit Utah State on the ground, force the gun and turnovers and pull away here. You know, Colin Wilson made this game Memphis minus 13 with his power ratings. Um, I just think it's a bet they're just a better team in a better conference. So I'll, I'll take Memphis minus seven here. Also on the 27th in the ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl, Coastal Carolina against East Carolina. This line has danced all over the place. <laughs> I think it's currently sitting at ECU minus nine, total set at 59 and a half. So my notes here were, bye-bye, Grayson McCall. Bye-bye, Jamie Chadwell. (laughs) Delete, delete, delete. Yeah, just kidding. Apparently, you can enter the portal, but then not leave, even though your coach left. So Grayson McCall is truly pissing Teal one last time in this game. I don't know. I Obviously, without him playing, it was a hammer play on ECU. I still think a game like this matters more to a program that's always kind of flirting with taking that next step and bowl games matter for ECU where it's strange to say, but coastal Carolina has become old hat. Like they're not ranked in the top 25. They don't have a chance to knock off a top 25 ranked team. So now they're playing in Birmingham. They're playing against an ECU fan base. That'll probably travel very well. And yes, McCall is a, a, you know, he's a big ticket item, 
in terms of fan interest, but I don't know if their fans are really going to show out for a game like this. I'm going to stick with the Pirates. Um, I love Keaton Mitchell. Hold Nailers, if he's the good one, we're going to win going away. If it's bad, hold Nailers, who, for the most part this year, you know, we made a lot of jokes, but he's kept those multi-pick games to a minimum. So I think if they can stay within, you know, zero, minus one in the turnover battle, they'll get it done here. This is a pretty high play from a confidence perspective for me, close to 30. Um, Whether it's nine and a half, I think it'll probably go lower as money comes in once people realize that McCall is a go. But this defense just fell off a cliff this year. I mean, they have... They had so many issues. They were replacing 10 starters. Clearly, they didn't have the dudes to do that. Um, So I think the Pirates get the best of them here. And one final nugget, ECU's bowl game got canceled last year. So they absolutely are chomping at the bit to get back and to get a little bowl game love and publicity and get something for the highlight reel. So I'm on the Pirates. Yep, me too. Um, I took ECU at nine and a half early in the week, thinking McCall wouldn't play. Thought I had great. CLV when it popped up to 13 and a half for like 20 minutes. And then people realized McCall said he's playing and read the rest of the statement and it dropped right back down to nine and a half. Um, but like you said, I'm not buying out of it. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, with that position because at the end of the day, McCall's not playing defense and McCall played against Troy and it, you know, didn't matter much. This, this defense gave up 502 yards and 47 points to James Madison, 45 points and 7.8 yards per play to Troy they're 118th in the country at defending the pass. Our boy Holton Aylers is like right in that sweet spot of really good college football player, but not good enough to go pro and opt out of a bowl, which is just where you want to be betting guys this time of year. And, you know, we're in a, a college football fantasy, like bowl league, you and me are doing it. And I, I texted you how badly I wanted Keaton Mitchell. He's going to cook in this game. I think Aylers does as well. And the one thing ECU's defense has been really good at is stopping the run. They're top 30 and run defense. They should be able to limit this coastal rushing attack. And their whole offense just starts with the running game. We saw it against Troy. You know, McCall threw the ball really well in that game, but Troy shut down the running attack and McCall throwing it didn't matter. If they can't run the ball, they can't win. And like like I said, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident with them winning this game. And I took the nine and a half. I, I McCall's not playing defense. As we get deeper here in bowl season, fewer G5 games on the 28th, UCF against Duke. Blue Devils are a one-point favorite. Total set at 62.5 in the Military Bowl, presented by Periton, not to be confused with Peloton. It's a four-hour drive for those Duke fans. I think they're going to make it because, honestly, this is just their seventh bowl game since 2012. They've had some good attendance numbers, actually went back and looked in terms of the bowl games that they have played in. So I think they'll get a fan boost from you know a first-year coach, he was selling hope. He delivered on it. Riley Leonard is, t- to me, one of the surprise he's uh, been awesome. quarterbacks. He, he's really been awesome this year. Uh, the fact that he went very early in our bowl fantasy draft wasn't a huge surprise to me. UCF on the other side, though, this is situational play that I love to make. And after championship week ends, I like to circle who are the teams that lost in their conference championship game? Because it's an extra week of those you know, body blows that they had to take. The emotional drop-off, which for some teams is significant. USC could have played their way into the college football playoff. UCF could have played their way into the Cotton Bowl to face that USC team, could have been the G5 darling. Instead, they fall all the way down to the military bowl playing Duke. How fired up are they really going to be in this game? They still can't pass the ball, so they have issues there. 
And when what do they want to do? They want to run the Gus Malzahn offense. They're running into a Duke defense that's top 20 in every major metric. I think this is an awful matchup for UCF, both situationally and the X's and O's on the field. Duke only lay in one. Let's hammer the Blue Devils. Give me the Steve Spurrier photo. Like I, I'm going to put that up with my pick on the 28th, get some good mojo going. It's, it's a hammer play for me. This is my favorite G5 bowl game of the year. Duke Blue Devils laying one. I'm in the high 30s on the confidence points as well. I'm with you. For a one-point spread, this is very high in my confidence pool. I agree. You know, <laughs> Riley Leonard's been awesome. Duke finished here winning four out of their five, where UCF kind of limped into that game. Anyway, they lost two of their last three to a Navy team who stinks. And, you know, you see, you saw, like you said, they they can't throw the ball. And Mikey Keene is in the transfer portal kind of a dick move did it before the conference championship game and they needed him because probably yeah. got hurt it's like dude you couldn't have waited a week um their leading receiver ryan o'keefe is in the portal their like third leading tackler linebacker jeremiah gene baptiste is in the in the portal he's one of their best run defenders i, I mean th- this is me just putting in extra bets. i know i might more, double more down. units on duke Let's i might do double it. down too just duke's are really good and like you said they're sixth in the country at defending explosiveness on the ground which is all UCF does, they've hold opponents to less than 120 yards on the ground in five straight games. Gus Malzahn is another one of those coaches, three and five in bowl games, has never seemed to care. They're coming off a loss. They don't care. This is Duke's first bowl game since 2018. I'm with you. I might double down on the Blue Devils. I might go add another unit. From one bowl game that I'm just fired up to bet on, fired up to watch, to Ohio laying one against Wyoming with a total set at 43. I'm not sure we're going to see that much fireworks offensively. Ohio without the Maple Missile tears his ACL. He's done. The offense just flat out not very good. Wyoming, super low on talent due to the portal. Titus Swen out. He's one of those missing in action cowboys. Can CJ Harris with nearly a month's worth of bowl practices get an offense that's built for his skill set, which is running doing the speed option on the perimeter, you know, trying to get as much RPO and things to put defenders into conflict. Can they get that done? Maybe. So I, I lean Bobcats in that regard. Andrew Peasley on the other side, he threw five picks and was sacked six times in his last three games. Just bad, bad, bad. They may go with a quarterback switch here. I don't know if the Pokes have anything that they can pull out of their bag. I understand it's a team we were low on in the preseason. They end up exceeding those expectations, but they don't have the kind of depth to handle. I think six or seven guys are in the portal. That's that's bad news, even against an Ohio team that's wounded as well. I'll go Bobcats here as an official play, laying the point and probably in the teens for the confidence pool. Ah, there's nothing here with you. Titus Swen being out, Curtis Rourke being out. It's such a like weird game. I'd probably go Ohio in pools. I don't know. Probably Ohio, I guess. All right, let's end with a bang here. Luckily, we don't have to you know, wind ourselves up for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Tulane, my 35-1 to 1 pick to win the AAC. Proud Papa over here playing <laughs> against USC. USC is laying a point and a half, 61 and a half. Doesn't seem high enough. And why do I say that? Well, Willie Fritz decides to stay, which really could have put a stink on this game if he ended up leaving for that Georgia Tech job and leaving them in the lurch with an uh, interim coach. Instead, he gets to go full Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving! And just have the whole team just going nuts surrounding him. Tajay Spears against a run defense that is quite simply breathtakingly bad. I don't think I've seen, I don't need to look at a single metric. I've never seen with these eyes a defense that's less interested in tackling people once they get to the second and third level than the USC defense. So Tajay Spears, Mr. Uh, Home Run. I was at the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas. It was, I had the over, so I was loving it, but it was mind-boggling 
how bad that team was at tackling. It's the worst tackling performance I've ever seen. And I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. So I've been seeing that for 10 years. And it was unbelievable how much they just refused to tackle anybody. And Utah was trying to run the clock out. They were running like fullback dives and taking it 30 yards to the house. It was absurd. And then the other angle in this game is clear. Cal Williams is best Superman, you know, impersonation down the stretch wins the Heisman because of it. Will any of his supporting cast show up or care? And how badly is his hamstring injured? Because yes, he's not going to opt out. Yes, he can't go to the NFL draft. So he's back next year. But this could be a business decision situation, particularly with the way that the offense is going with their injuries at running back. It was clear in that game if he runs for 150 yards and throws for 350. Yeah, maybe they beat Utah in that game. That's what they need. I think there's a, a quit factor potential in this game for Williams. And if he quits, the USC team is going to fold at like 100%. So I'm on Tulane, money line. I think it's like plus 115. At this point, there's a chance before the game that Williams just decides to sit out in general. He doesn't even suit up. So I'm going to go ahead and play that now because I think in a situation like that, probably moves it across the threshold and Tulane's the favorite by a point or two if they get a backup quarterback from USC. Any other thoughts on the green wave? I know we're both fired up to see our our G5 darling make it all the way to the Cotton Bowl and another exciting year for the AAC. That's my only concern with with betting this now is you don't know if Caleb Williams is playing because to me, I'm, I'm with you or, you know, if you if you think he's playing, then you probably take the over now because it probably goes up. Mm-hmm. But if he's not playing, I don't really want the over. And then on the flip side, I'm with you or – I like Tulane regardless if Caleb's playing. So I'm probably going to wait and hope he does play because you probably get back to plus three with the green wave if if Williams is good to go. Because right now they're plus one and a half. You know, to me, the, the money line's down to like plus 100. To me, plus 100 minus 115 is not that big of a difference. But if I can get that three, if, if Caleb's good to go, I probably would wait for that because this is kind of similar to the McCall situation. Just, this USC defense is hot garbage. Michael Pratt and Tajay Spears are going to torch them. You mentioned too that, like, you know, Travis Dye's already out. I doubt Jordan Addison plays in this game. Is Mario Williams going to play in this game? So there's just kind of a lot of uncertainty now. I think the line's going to keep moving depending on who's in and who's out. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those ones where, you, depending on what you want, you have to guess. Um, my feeling for now, it could change, is I like Tulane. I'm hoping Caleb is officially in. I get a little more number on Tulane and then I'll take it there, but I haven't played anything yet, but that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And I get to end G5 bowl season by fading another conference champion loser, which is always on my bingo card. So this is also another positive one. This is also going in in bowl pools where the casuals, USC brand name, Heisman trophy winner. This is a good spot to take Tulane in uh, as an upset pick in, in bowl pools with like, you know, I work with casual people who don't actually watch college football. Well, that's it, Ionello. We made it through every G5 bowl game. We did it. We had leans, plays, prop bets, everything out there in the ether. So I'm I'm just happy to say that we carried the torch throughout the season. And I love your golf analogy at the beginning. I agree. We birdied 18. I may have skipped from 16 right to the clubhouse and had a few drinks before we even got there. But I'm there to welcome you and to congratulate you. Sign your scorecard if you like. Let's finish strong here. I think a lot of our picks are great. But the Duke one in particular, I want that to be our legacy for this bowl season because UCF's a team, I probably watched the entirety of like 10 of their 12 games this year. So I have like a a strong grasp 
on this U on the UCF team. So I, I think there's an absolute chance that that Duke just boat races him. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, obviously with 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 bowl season, it goes without saying. You know, Colin Saki will have previews kind of throughout bowl season, but things change so much. Um, if you guys ever have questions, if again we didn't get into enough or things change, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter. Follow us in the Action Network app as long as with Colin. And you know, the perfect example is I I bet BYU two days ago and I just bet out, you know, bet SMU to get out of it today with the kind of Jaron Hall probably not playing news. So if you guys ever have questions, reach out to us on Twitter with as things change and move and because the bowl season's kind of a crapshoot sometimes when it comes to that, that stuff. Um, but yeah, hopefully we uh, keep doing well. Next year's gonna be interesting. You know, a lot of these teams. This, this hey, this is the last time we we'll get to talk to you about UCF. So that's our perfect way. We're, we're kicking UCF out of the G five with our hammer play at Duke. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's that's kind of how we end it. <laughs> Special thanks to our producer extraordinaire Matt Mitchell. Hopefully, all of his Tulane gear arrives in the mail so he can uh, <laughs> root on angry wave there in the Cotton Bowl. For Mike Ainello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner. A reminder to listen in for Colin and Stucky's multi-part, four-part bowl preview throughout bowl season. They're going to be hitting you with the latest and greatest and all that information and moving parts that go into building the perfect bowl series card. So go ahead and listen in. And I, I'd like to echo what Ianello said as well. And a, a special thanks to our fans. We would love it if you guys would interact with us over on social media. Happy to answer all of your questions, ratings, and everything else over on the podcast feeds are also incredibly helpful as well as YouTube. So thank you so much for a successful season. Enjoy the Bulls. And thanks so much for listening.